0: There's going to be less competition. There's some more financing options that are becoming available, like 2-1 buy-downs and some other financing options that we can negotiate. First-time home buyers should be in a much better position in 2023 than they were coming into 2022, for sure. <laughs> What is up, my friends? Welcome to the fourth episode of the Real Estate Wise Guy. I am your extremely fun and festive host, Zach Barger. I'm here with my non-fun and non-festive host, co-host, Sean Weiss. How are we doing today?
1: I'm good. I am festive. I just forgot my hat.
0: Yeah, okay. We said we were going to wear Santa hats, and only one of us is wearing one. It's fine. We will work through it and uh, on our way to a wonderful podcast today. Can we make that happen? I think we can. Wow. Be a little bit more fun (laughs) and the people will listen. My goodness. Anyways, my friends, today we are going to do a little recap about 2022 as we are towards the end of the year now and uh, talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to in 2023. Sean, tell me about 2022. Do you think we would be in this situation that we're in now at this time last year? It's
1: been a journey. Um, where we started is certainly uh, different than where we're going to close out the year. Um, one of the things that I was looking into when we were talking about the kind of podcast topic today was I had two listings about less than 60 days apart. One was in May, late May and one was in early July. First one in May was a very indicative of how the first half of the year went, which was like all of 2021, it was crazy frenzy. Uh, We listed, had 20 showings the first weekend, six offers, 20% over ask. And then 55 days later, had another listing. And that was very indicative of what the latter half of the year was, which was listed at home, didn't have a showing for 12 days, did a price reduction after three weeks, got like two or three showings from that. And then we were on the market almost 60 days before we got an offer and got under contract. So the, the year of two halves for sure. And it really was at mid mid point, um, in, in about June, July, when the tide turned and we went from the kind of the overflow of 2021, crazy interest rates started to climb and the, uh, the new market that we're in now is I think what we can kind of expect in 2023, it's going to be slower. We are both hopeful that it's going to pick back up, but it is, um, definitely not where I thought we would be. No one really thought that it was going to go forever, but the my biggest surprise was how quickly it happened. Um, For sure. We, I think the anticipation that we would end up here was not that far off. It was just we didn't think it would be in the end of 2022. If you would have said, hey, this is what it's going to look like in 2024, that's believable, or even late 2023. But you talk to people in March of 2022, and then 90 days later, it was a much different story. Yeah, so, to say the
0: least. There's no way I would have predicted us uh, being close to flat I and mean, we'll see what November's numbers come out, but our median home price being close to 0% as far as increasing go is <laughs> increase goes. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think either of us in our wildest dreams thought that interest rates would double in basically a six month time frame. Yeah. That's crazy. We went from roughly 3% to six to even we saw seven for a good chunk of the year. Definitely yeah. made a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. And the interest rates obviously is a big factor in that I am You focus a little bit more on the median sales price, kind of that appreciation number a little bit more than I do. The one that I tend to focus more on is the unit sales, and that's what's down, you know, 40%. I mean, that's just like, you know, just transaction volume is way, way down. I'm a big believer in that those buyers that um, those sellers that are choosing not to sell um, or, you know, they're not settling for a lower price. And the buyers that are just choosing not to be in the marketplace right now, I think they are still out there they're just waiting so i think we'll we'll start to see that come back in you know later 2023 2024 but it's certainly quiet right now um this is you know the quietest probably six months that we've seen in in a handful of years
0: yeah most definitely we've seen rates dip a little bit over the last month or so and i've seen like i got one of my listings under contract this past week starting to pick up slightly but yeah it's definitely nothing like it was a year ago for sure yeah, yeah.
1: all right so um kind of talking or summarizing 2022 as a whole what are some uh um what are some highlights of your 2022 year personally uh let's st- let's start yeah let's start personal. let's go fun what was what was the um uh, what was your one of your best uh memories from 2022
0: uh, i mean i gotta do a lot of traveling this year so seeing the pyramids was definitely way up there um but it, i don't think that's what we were asking was it <laughs>
1: I mean, let's. If you want, if we want to go into we, your uh, your Instagram Reels is kind of yeah. is, is kind of on hey, display. Like and of, follow on IG, trying <laughs> to
0: be an influencer. Let's go. Yeah, well, throw your handle out there. What is it? <laughs> Ad Barger underscore ATX Realtor. You know where to find me.
1: There's a, um, a lot of good content on there. I will I, I will uh, um, endorse that. So yeah, um, talking about your um, professionally, what was uh, what was some of the highlights? Obviously, this the last half of the year was pretty slow, but assume you still have some highlights from the year you can share.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely, we were on pace for a real awesome record year going into April, and we still had a really awesome year. Did uh, roughly eighteen million in sales and thirty three closed transactions. So solid year but it was looking real sweet going through April. Uh, one of the things that I take a lot of pride in as far as uh, which clients I work with um, and take a lot of pride in helping people out is first time home buyers. So one of the cool things of this last year, we were able to get 12 first time home buyers into houses this year. So it's something I'm looking forward to being able to do more of just cause there's gonna be less competition. Um, there's some more financing options that are becoming available like two one buy downs and um, some other financing options that we can negotiate um, from the sellers. So first time home buyers should be in a much better position in 2023 than they were coming into 2022 for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the that is something that has been overlooked these last 2 years, I would say kind of mid 2020 through mid 2022 has been it's been very difficult to be a buyer in this market in most markets for that matter all over the country and that is completely changed and again interest rates are, you know, a little tougher to swallow, but It is a much more you know appetizing market to be in as a first time home buyer. You get opportunity to look at homes, you can you know kind of sleep on it. You can take your friends by the house to get their opinion or parents, whatever it may be. There's definitely it's a much more what I'm calling an approachable market for you know first time buyers or even just buyers in general. I mean, you don't even have to be a first time buyer, but um, it's a that is something that people need to really consider because it's there are some unappealing aspects of our market right now and you got to ask yourself what would you trade because would you go back to 2021 to you know three percent interest rates but then the feeding frenzy and the multiple offers and the waived you know contingencies all of that um i think there's pros and cons of both but i think right now it's a it's certainly a um appealing market for buyers
0: yeah to say the least to say the least definitely a lot different than it was at this time last year to say the least how about you were some highlights for you last
1: year um, I would say in general is just from a, as the team, we, we were, like you said, pretty strong going through the first half of the year. Um, we didn't quite achieve our, our annual goal, but we came pretty close, which, um, I'm very proud of everyone for, you know, the work that they put in and, and, you know, the, there, we were front, some of our agents were front loaded. Um, you and I were that way actually, where we did a lot of our production, the kind of the beginning part of the year. And then some of our other agents, they, they kind of picked up the slack at the end of the year. So as a whole, we, um, you know, not a record year, but certainly something to be prideful of. And that was uh, that was a big thing for me. I'm just proud of the team. And I do think 2023 will, you know, a little bit more even expectations of of what to look for. There's certainly some hope of things will improve based, you know, from these last few months. But I do think that um, once interest rates kind of settle down, we get far enough away from those 3% interest rates and the national economy kind of becomes a little bit more stable and people can see or 4 foresee what's going to happen i think um you know job security all of those things i think you know the the transaction volume will start to pick back up and you know we can get back to work you know kind of in the busy season like we'd expect in the spring
0: yeah i totally agree Uh, You finished your first development project this year, didn't you? Uh,
1: Last year, 2021 was, um, the, is when we sold the first one. So this year we, um, we've got two going, they were both supposed to be done about now. And we were targeting kind of by the end of the year and we're real close on one. Um, we'll probably go into market you know, the first part of January and then the other one's about a month behind. So it'll be about early February, but, um, that has been a, uh, you know, a trying year for that. Just construction, and you know, all the things that you hear about in the news with supply chain and labor and everything else. It's we are behind schedule and over budget, um, which is you know how a lot of people are. Um, Doesn't sound desirable. <laughs> uh, well, it, it comes to the territory. Things are improving, um, you know, and I'm excited to see them. Yeah, you know, kind of finish up and you know get them cleaned up and be able to um, show them off a little bit and, and get people in there and hopefully find some buyers. Um, but yeah thank you for asking that's a, a very exciting we, when we hopefully once those wrap up we'll we'll be kicking off a few more in 2023 very nice. um let's talk about uh, some of your um, investments that you've made this year I know you were um, busier this year than you were last year with that
0: yeah for sure I um, was able to add two properties with uh, partners so I'm up to five total and we're we're renting out one of them as long term and then the other one we're in the process of trying to do like a medium- term rental where we're get to travel nurses and things along those lines so we're in the process of getting it furnished and uh, pretty excited about it though but it's uh, hoping to add a couple more in 2023 but each year I've added a few since uh, 20 I think 2018 was my first place that's awesome so, yeah
1: um just to kind of um, dive into that a little bit provide some context can you talk a little bit about what the medium term rental is relative to short term or long term, just to give people some context for that.
0: Yeah. So the concept with medium term is it's somewhere around 30 to 90 days that you're renting out rather than a long term lease would be, generally speaking, would be a 12 month lease or short term would be more of like a hotel style type thing with Airbnb or Verbo that you're renting out by the night. So the medium term, we're going to have it furnished and then we're trying to rent out for somewhere between 30 and 90 days. Cool.
1: And a, a big benefit of doing the medium term or those 30 plus days is you don't have to jump through all the hoops of short-term rental laws regulations permit all that sort of stuff so you can kind of avoid that and it's kind of looked as a long-term rental but you're kind of appealing to that middle market of people that want to furnish place looking for a little bit longer stay um, but it has become a more popular investment option for sure. um, that you know landlords are looking at
0: yeah from a revenue standpoint you're probably not going to get as much as you would doing a short-term rental but you should expect to make more than you would on a long-term rental. So we're, and like you said, we're playing that middle ground of having less hassle um, with a medium-term rental as compared to a short-term rental, but uh, bringing in a larger net than we would with a long-term rental.
1: Cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, always exciting to be adding to the the property portfolio. So congrats on that. Appreciate it. Um, well, while we got your, you know, feeling good, let's talk about let's 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 get you down to back down to ground level. What, what were some low lights of 2022?
0: A low light. Well, one of Vegas, them is or we can talk real estate, either one. <laughs> I mean, there were there were a couple bad Vegas trips. There's a good one to finish, though. Got that lucky four on the way out the door to come up up on the last trip. So that's, that's a dub ski. Yeah, yeah nothing like breaking even. <laughs> It's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> They're giving money away out there. You should go check it out. Uh, I've heard. <laughs> anyways, uh, well, one of my low lights was I signed a contract on a new primary residence. That is, I signed the contract. Doesn't sound like a low light. Well, just listen up. <laughs> uh, I'm under contract for 1.3. It's probably worth one ish right now, and they have 70k earnest money. Probably won't be done until like August of next year. But I tried to get out of it and was unable to do that. Would really would like to have that 70 ground to be able to sweep something up right now. But that's not going to happen, so I'm going to have to uh, navigate that next year. It'll all play out fine, but it uh, it seemed like a really awesome deal in February when I signed it because I was getting to jump 1,500 people on a waiting list. So I was definitely anticipating a little bit of a speculative purchase for sure, or a speculative sign Yeah. Um, that it was going to be worth more than 1.3 by the time I closed on it. but. Yeah, it does not appear that that's going to be the case. Well, I mean, and I
1: do think um, obviously it's hard to realize the the downside when you went under contract, or you know, going under contract when you did. Of we were in a booming market, it's hard to imagine that we're going to see that much of a you know kind of a slowdown in the market. But that is something that is interesting with new construction in general. A lot of times, if you're you know building, um, you're basically going under contract or locking in the price and terms of that contract a year sometimes even more. In your case, it's going to be more than a year in advance. So it's definitely speculative of you hope that it's worth more. You, at a minimum, you hope that it's worth the same as when you go under contract. But obviously the risk is there can be a market correction and you'll end up, you know, under, you know, what you're under contract for. In in Austin, it's been very rare that that's been the case. We still got eight months, nine months until you're expecting it to be completed. So we'll kind of see where it ends up and, you know, the values of that, you know, a lot of these developers too, they, they try to do the best that they can to, um, maintain price integrity. So if they are under, they have buyers under contract from, from six months ago, and they're not going to be closing for another six to nine months, they don't just drop the prices and start selling those same units for significantly less because they want to maintain that kind of price integrity in the community. However, there's still the economics of it of if no one's buying, they got to, they got to do something to encourage buyers to um, put it under contract. And that does come with price reductions, but um, just for people out there looking or considering when you do go under contract on brand new construction that has not started yet, it is speculative in nature. So you do have, you know, upside and downside risk. And at the end of the day, and like yours as well, when it's a primary residence, it's, not only looked at as an investment so you gotta like i'm gonna be living there for five years you're not too concerned with it um i think you're probably more hung up on the you know your earnest money that's been tied up for a year and expecting to be tied up for another eight months or whatever but um it's the um yeah when it's your primary residence start from that place don't start from the investment uh mindset because you know that does kind of uh, settle a lot of the the nerves and anxiety that comes with that. If you're going to be living there, you know, three f- to five years, um, you know, you don't have to worry a as, little as much about that. You know, that price price volatility over these last six and for sure.
0: Months. And the reality is, by the time we get to closing, if it's not worth that, I will have some leverage at the time that I don't that I don't have, currently have with the builder. I should be able to get them to come down on their price. But yeah. right now we're so far out, I can't can't get them to budge at all. The, yeah. the biggest downside right now is just not being able to have that 70k because I would like to get another one in this current market right now but that's just not the reality. And I've been on the other side of the speculative com- component of new right. builds as well. I've had my first uh rental property. I got under contract for <laughs> 209,000. Took over 2 years to build because they had their build order out of <laughs> out of whack like what they told me was roughly 6 months from when I bought it, but they didn't even start it for roughly a year and 3 months. Um, I that. so by the time I got into that one, it appraised for right at 400. So that was a pretty sweet win. So <laughs> yeah. The, sometimes the speculative component component can be uh, ideal.
1: Yeah. There, not I mean, so the, much in this case. Yeah. There's there. definitely benefits of that. Like you said, and especially when you don't have to tie a bunch of, of earnest money up, yeah. um, some, you know, developments it's, you know, it's five to $10,000. It's not something like 70. So it makes it a little bit more palatable yeah. um, with that. But
0: one of the things we ran into throughout this year with clients, in the same situation as that was tough for some people and i had a couple that actually had to back out of the contract was the affordability when we signed the contract in october of last year and when they closed in august of this year was completely different because rates had basically doubled from that standpoint so yeah they're looking at payments that were in some cases, you know, eight hundred to thousand dollars more than what they're anticipating, just because rates have increased yeah. so much.
1: That's been that's been a difficult one for a lot of those new buyers uh, or new construction buyers, um, you know, going under contract when rates are three, and then yeah, closing when they're at six. Yeah. Um, and some people, you know, they are not as fortunate and have to terminate because they don't qualify at that yeah. new payment. Um, yeah, so sorry that happened, but. I think we should, we'll revisit this, you know, in, you know, six to nine months and, yeah. and we'll see when, when the house is yeah, actually it could getting, be pre- that Cinderella story. Yeah. It could be close <laughs> to being finishing and we'll, we'll see where values are in the community. Hopefully they are, you know, at least pushing about what, what you paid for yours and, sure. um, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that. Maybe, maybe it's a low lie right now, but maybe, maybe it won't be. Yeah.
0: It'll play out. It'll play out for sure. It'll be, it'll all be fine in the long run. But like I said, I would rather have that 70 grand to employ on a different property right now. Yeah.
1: They Deploy. Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> they're they're investing that money right now. Yeah, because so they're not building your house.
0: Or, well, you're not getting off the hook. What's a low light for you?
1: A low light. Um,
0: I would Besides say. Besides, forgetting your Santa hat today. Um, that was yeah. Looking like a real Scrooge up on stage. I would
1: say you were probably a little more disappointed in, in me than I am of myself. But I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that one. So, sounds about right. <laughs> um, I would say. Um, kind Of similar story, I put a lot under contract in April, um, off market. This was a project that we were gonna that, that with the intent to redevelop it, uh, in a ex- pretty exclusive neighborhood, and put it under contract in April. April negotiated with the sellers, um, this was not listed, um, that we were gonna do a 90 day close, so that bought me time. Um, that's just property tax I don't have to pay, loan payments I don't need to make. Um, locked in the price in April, felt pretty smart about that. Then we close in July and rates had moved significantly from April to July. So I'm locking in a higher rate in July appraised about, you know, I, I, negotiated, I feel like a pretty good deal on it. Felt like I was, um, you know, undercutting the market a little bit. It appraised for, um, about 10% more than what I was under contract for at the time of closing. Yeah, that is not common to say the least. Yeah. yeah. And then Fast forward, that was in July, and then fast forward in like, I don't know, even by September, October, some sales that were hitting the MLS, coming on the market as comps were showing that not only was the appraisal very inflated, but even what I paid for it was a little high. Um, so stuff, people were buying stuff on the market below what I paid. That stung a little bit. Um, that is investment, so that does hurt. It's a longer hold period with redevelopment, so make some of that up. Um, but that, that one stung. Um, when you've got you know a couple hundred thousand dollars like you said in um, you know depreciation and in, in just a matter of a few months but um, sometimes you just got to plug your nose and you just you know keep moving yeah yeah <laughs> you keep moving forward you don't you don't think about it um, as Warren Buffett says it's not a loss until you sell so as long as we're not selling we're not we're not worried about it yeah for sure. Um, (laughs) but the other, the other one that I would say is just the, the pace of the builds has been frustrating and kind of, it's been difficult. I certainly didn't want to go on the market this time of year. Um, it may end up being a, a better situation if we end up listing in, like I said, February, um, that probably, that may end up being better than if I would have listed in October or September, like we were kind of, um, originally forecasted. So we'll see, but the, there's some negatives that come with that carrying costs, you know, kind of bleeding a little bit on that. Um, the hold periods much longer going over budget, that sort of thing. But, um, all good learning experiences for sure. Um, that is that I'm paying for an education. So yeah. that's a, that's a good, that's a, that's the positive of it. It might even be cheaper than college. Yeah, probably. Nowadays. Um, It's more fun than college. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think think
0: we're going to ask no fun Sean. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll agree to disagree on what we think uh, what fun is. (laughs) College was definitely not fun because all we did was study, right?
1: Uh, Well, I just accrued a bunch of debt and then dropped out after nine months. So. Cool. No cool, cool, fun. Cool, cool, cool. No fun. No, no. That was, that was <laughs> the, No fun, Sean. No dude. fun, Sean. That was, that was when it started. This isn't for me.
0: I uh, love that. Uh, so, one of the things I wanted to jump into today, oftentimes we don't air these stories publicly because we want to maintain that uh, level of having everything under control. But in the background, there's definitely agents on the other side that can drive us nuts. And I think it'd be fun to. Uh, Tell a story about an agent on the other side that just drove you nuts. You got any stories this year of a transaction that uh made you want to pull your hair out?
1: The maybe not pull my hair out. The uh I was met with a lot of frustration and um with one transaction in particular and this this is something that honestly I think it's happening much more now that we're slower than it was before when you were um you know, I mean, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on what side of the transaction you are. This was a listing of mine. We didn't have to deal with this the last few years. If you had a listing, you, the the buyers and buyers agents kind of, you know, they kind of felt lucky to be under contract. <laughs> right, so yeah. they, there was not a whole <laughs> lot of you know um, debate or adversity that was faced because it was like, hey, if you guys have a problem, then we'll just go to the next agent, next buyer in line. Uh, but this one in particular it was a, it was a tough negotiation from when they looked at the house to get it under contract. And that was painful. You know, it it was that kind of nickel and diming of a hundred dollars there, $200 there. And that's, that's difficult when you're talking about, you know, even in Austin, a half million dollar property, half the homes are over that, you know, worth more than that. So when you're talking about $200 on a $550,000 or $600,000 house, it's frustrating. It's like, all right, let's, like, let's keep it moving, right. but people are, you know, the, we're in a different, we're in a different marketplace. So that was difficult. We get under contract after a week of negotiation, which was by far the longest I've ever negotiated a contract. Um, then we basically, you know, it was a rather, um, it, it was, a pretty normal option period, but then they did terminate on, you know, day seven or the last day of the option period. And then, so all of that work that went into those two weeks was all for nothing, so we go back to the market, we're on the market for about a week, and then they come back and say, hey, we still want to buy the house, we want to, we, <laughs> we want to agree to the terms that you that you proposed, which again, everything told us not to do it, the agent, the buyer, they, they just had all sorts of red flags, me and my client, given the market, they were under contract to purchase something, so time was of the essence, so we said, hey, let's remove emotions from it. We have a contract. We don't have to deal with the option period again. They're past inspection. Financing is only a few days away, so yeah, let's do it. So we go under. So we go back under contract with their, our original, um, with that original buyer, and we get about six days away from closing, and they get cold feet, and they basically just want to renegotiate the contract. They said, I think we were under contract for like five eighty five, and they said, hey, we want fifteen grand off. Um, and at this point you're, you know, you're past all of those negotiation periods and windows and contingencies. Right. It's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's certainly not how it works. And I, I mean, don't fault them for asking, I suppose, but my client wasn't taking the bait and they said, no, we'll go back to the market. And, um, to be honest, I th- kind of thought it was a bluff. I thought they were just trying to, um, you know, pull that card at the 11th hour, trying to get something more out of it. We said no, and they walked away. So we had, we not only not got burned once by them. I got burned twice by them. And it was one of those things. There was plenty of signs along the way we should not have gotten into that position just based on, you know, if it, you know, if it quacks, it's, you know, it's a duck (laughs) and that's the, that, that, the, the signs were there. So, um, we, uh, we got fooled and duped by it, but, it was a successful story in the end. We did get under contract shortly after that, and those buyers actually closed, um, I think, on Friday last week. So that one is done, and they're they're closed on their new home, and my clients are happy, and everything's good. And best of luck to the agent and that buyer that terminated a contract twice on the same house.
0: <laughs> the second one, you had uh, higher earnest money too, right? And they had they had to eat a good chunk of it? Oh, yeah, option. yeah. So,
1: yeah, and I mean, just to provide some context for that, when they you can't terminate a contract that late without, you know, some sort of penalty. So they walked away from their, I believe at that point it was $8,000 in total is what they walked away from on a 500 and, you know, almost $600,000 house. So, um, it, I mean, they, they burned money doing it. I mean, they were basically under contract for a total of about 30 days and lost about $8,500. So and um, i mean their their reason for terminating was that they were afraid to go under contract and buy a house in this market which can't fault them for it but it did cost them
0: yeah cost yeah. a mistake yeah i remember the the frustrations during that yeah. uh, that time frame <laughs> yeah and lot i do think a lot of
1: those things could have been avoided conversations could have had earlier but um you know what another bridge here we are yeah on the other sure. side of it for sure, um, you you tend to have a little bit more theatrical um, experiences with your transactions. <laughs> I
0: had I had one that was pretty theatrical this year. It was uh, is this the grease one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got involved in this one. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Uh, I had a, a listing. This was right as the market was kind of kind of shifting. So it went from just throwing a listing on the market and expecting to get you know twenty plus offers to I was working really hard to get any offers on this on this place. Uh, we get it on our contract. Was this Mark Taylor? Mark Taylor.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a...
0: Mark Taylor. That's
1: on the, that's on the wall of fame in, yeah, in our office. It was
0: infamous, infamous in our office. We got it wall done. Wall of
1: shame, maybe? <laughs> hey, we got her done. Wall of And fear. you're not getting the price wall that we
0: got at the time today, that's for sure. So yeah. we, we, uh, we made it happen. It just didn't feel like a huge win at the time.
1: Yeah, that one was, uh, that was the listing that wouldn't sell. And that was in the time, that was before it was yeah. slow.
0: I got real creative with the marketing offered 4% buyer's commission to the buyer's agent, um, had a lot of things working for my clients to make this one happen. We eventually got on our contract and we just had an, the agent on the other side was uh, difficult to work with and told, some, told me some things that were possibly not the truth multiple times. <laughs> and uh, this all culminated with uh, the last time that I had direct communication with him, I was actually in Greece, and he was trying to back out of the deal for another reason that turned out to not be true. What were you
1: doing in Greece at that time, uh, if you don't mind me asking?
0: <laughs> I was, was at, the club. <laughs> <laughs> at the club. It was about, about 2.30 a.m. in uh, Mykonos, Greece, and I stepped out of the club to yell at uh, this agent on the other line and got my point across. But to salvage the deal, I had to call in, go to the bullpen, call in the closer. And my boy Sean salvaged it for us and we, we got the deal to the finish line. But it was one of the more painful transactions I've ever had to
1: deal with. It, it looked bleak for a moment. Oh, and man. The, the agent on the other side was obviously they had their own frustrations and they were, you know, maybe self-sabotaging the deal a little bit. So when anytime I have to get involved. And this was I, not that Zach could handle it, but it was the middle of the night and he was at a club and he had kind of exhausted his options. So, um, <laughs> cry for help. Um, and generally when, based on the story that Zach had told me, I didn't, I, I did reach out directly to the agent, but I wanted to reach out to his broker to kind of have a, um, more of a level-headed conversation without emotions involved. We weren't parties to the contract. So, and honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure that was the best decision either. I, they, there was she was more dumbfounded at what was going on. And there was a lot of explaining explaining of where we got to the point that we were. And it it was, and then at that point, I kind of regretted getting more people involved, but <laughs> things, things fell into place. That was towards the end of the closing. So I think it was one of those things you just hope that they showed up at the closing and they did. Yeah, They, they showed up and yeah. signed. It, and it was,
0: it was one of those things where like the closing kept getting pushed back. Like, three weeks and then they needed all these additional things to make it happen when it was all within their control. Um, And we were having to go above and beyond to cater to all of their needs that really we shouldn't have had to. But yeah,
1: occasionally you do have the roll of the dice where you just are not sure if they're going to show up to close and which is a pretty dark, dark situation to be in uh, when you're representing I'm um, your own clients and you just kind of got us. Hey, we're, yeah, they're going to sign. Yeah. We, we hope that they sign. Which they did.
0: It was a stressful one because my clients needed that one to close in order to move forward on yeah. the other place. And, uh,
1: yeah, it, uh, it was, there kinda, was a lot of that this year. A lot yeah, of the came down to the wire, you know, contingent, um, transactions which we you know has been less so in the last few years but that is something that has become more and more common and then you do kind of get under the gun of like this has to close because i need the money to buy this next place and to move and all that sort of thing so we saw a lot of that this year so stress levels were much higher yeah for sure definitely what else you got any uh can you tell me um anything that you are looking forward to in 2023 lots of things tell me about them can i
0: have a big year next year (laughs) Uh, setting a, a very lofty goal as far as sales goals go going for $35 million, which would basically be doubling this year so I'm going to have to mix it up do a little work here and there <laughs> might be reaching out to some of uh, the listeners see if we know anybody that I can help with real estate but yeah I'm excited to to get after it I think the uh, I think the market next year is going to be uh, much more desirable than it has been the last six months as an agent um, It the through twenty. Twenty twenty to twenty, the beginning of this year, twenty twenty two. It was so competitive that it was on, it was honestly frustrating as an agent, as you're fully aware. Yeah, it. It, it was it was tough representing buyers, um, listings. It was even though it was there was an aspect where it was easy to sell a home, it was still a very um, taxing process because our phones were you know getting forty to one hundred calls uh, per listing per weekend, and we're having to go through. You know 20 contracts every time we yeah. we have a listing so it was um it wasn't the most desirable market to be an agent in although there was a lot of volume coming in it was still a very difficult mar- market to navigate with our clients
1: yeah and one thing i'll touch on that 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 was just a kind of a misconception of of what agents were experiencing because i mean just look at the numbers there was way more buyers than there were listings so the majority of agents were representing buyers and the average listing was getting, you know, eight to 12 offers, which means seven to 11 agents and their buyers were losing. And you were doing that. I mean, we were writing offers, you know, four to seven times per buyer before we got them under contract. So yep. it's a lot. it was a lot of it was a lot of work just to get them under contract. And in my opinion, what I kind of talked about a lot with the team is it's kind of it's it's tough because once you do get under contract it's almost not it doesn't even feel like a victory because buyers are so exhausted and they never really feel great about the, the deal that they're in right because they had to push it so hard Yeah, because they had to push the price super high they had to wave contingencies they got a lot of cash it's in an area they don't like whatever whatever they do to win they, they put them in a situation where they weren't like super enthusiastic and that's a that's something that i am looking for that was going to be kind of my answer in 2023 is looking forward to getting back to that 2019 2018 market where it's much more fun to work with these clients help buyers get under contract find the home that they are in love with and can navigate that listings are going to be a little bit tougher to sell but same thing like kind of setting those goals of the sellers and then you know you know working hard to to meet those goals for the sellers that has been a very different story these last few no, years Most definitely yeah i
0: can't i can't wait to be able to navigate a more balanced market yeah year for, um, it, it just is much more enjoyable process with your clients. I feel like we can add value um, really at, at a higher level than we could in the previous market because yeah. the previous market was kind of just best guess type yeah. stuff. Um, and it was almost like we had to
1: chew. close your eyes and, and follow me through this crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Hold my hand. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what it felt like at times of, you know, it was one of those things Like I had clients that, there was just such little inventory. You go look at one house and they would just put an offer on it and they would lose. And then we'd go look at another house three days later and they'd put an offer on that one. Like, it's not like they were looking at four and then picking one. It was like, they put an offer on everything that we ended up looking at. Yeah. Um, Cause the pool of homes was so small. So this is much more um, approachable. Like I said before, for buyers to be able to get out there and you look at stuff, compare, price shop a little bit you can negotiate more you can you can kind of get comfortable with the house with the area before you know making that big decision and now or you know then you that was not the case it was you know hope i like it yeah. hope there's nothing wrong with it
0: <laughs> most definitely yeah. It was it was uh the wild wild west yeah for quite a while to say the least but uh, happy that we're beyond that and i think 2023 is going to be a much more balanced market it'll still be a from a sustainability standpoint, this is a good thing for Austin's real estate market long term.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the pace at which we were headed was is unsustainable. And that's not just Austin. I mean, you look at all the kind of major metros. Um, they saw similar things that Austin did. Austin was a little bit more extreme, but there was plenty of other markets that that saw very similar, you know, growth and momentum and, you know, supply and demand issues that Austin did. What's is there um, anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off?
0: I don't think so. I think that uh, gives us a nice little outlook on 2023.
1: Well, uh, we're going to get back to podcasts in January, hopefully with some some upgrades or new additions. Yeah, um, we're we're going to be brainstorming these next few weeks to try to um, add a little bit more value and, and improve it for next year.
0: Most definitely, as always. If y'all have questions, uh, we'll be doing another podcast uh, in the near future where we're answering listener questions. So feel free to send those to us as if you have recommendations on how we can improve our format. We'd love to hear that as well.
1: Sounds good. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks Happy for holidays. Listening. Have a good one.